Makes you sound fancy. Yep. And I definitely stole most of his jokes for teaching (laughs) physics. Welcome to the Strong Towers Podcast, a podcast with one simple vision, build up, become strong. And we are live. Man, welcome back, guys. We are super excited for you to be here. The past couple of weeks, we've been sharing a little bit of our stories, and hopefully you've got to know us a little bit better and where we're coming from. But really what we wanted Strong Towers to be is a conversation that you get to be a part of. And so we're excited to start doing that this week and just sitting around and talking about whatever comes to mind. So we are going to start talking about work today. When I shared my story a few weeks ago, a lot of it revolved around my career transition uh, and how that was going and, and the different things that were kind of happening around that big change going on in my life. Rich talked last week about uh, his story for completely changing his thinking on what he was called to do and, and how to make a vocation out of that. So we want to kind of springboard off of that this week and and just dig into the idea of work a little bit more. And so, John, I want to throw it to you first to kind of help us out with terms here, because we can't uh, obviously air quote on a podcast (laughs) uh, all night. So when we're talking about work versus quote unquote work, what are we really getting into? Uh, I think one of the things that, especially as men, we most resonate with is we work a lot. Uh, You know, you get together with a room full of guys and 99% of the time, how do you make introductions? Like what's the first topic of conversation? It's, hi, my name's John. I am a dot, dot, dot. Or, oh, hey, nice to meet you, Tom. What do you do? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, one of the most uncomfortable weekends of conversation I ever had was at a, a conference four guys and specifically four guys who were trying to dig past this I am just what I do. And they're like, all right, for this weekend, you are not allowed to talk about what you do. You can't talk about your title. You can't talk about anything related to occupation. We are all going to generically refer to ourselves as chimney sweepers. Right. So I mean, if yeah. you need to get that out of the way just as your natural flow of starting a conversation, you're like, hi, I'm John. I'm a chimney sweep. What do you do? Oh, I'm a chimney sweep too. Okay. And then you just have this moment of crap. Who am I? Like, who am I? What do I do? What do I talk about? Like, right. And you start to realize just how integrated into yourself, into your story, work is. And so we wanted to spend some time on this idea of the labor that you perform, the employment that you have versus the things that you feel called to do or that just bring you alive. Right. So work versus air quotes work is the difference between the things that you were born to do, the things that you were made to do, the things that you just love to do, and then the tasks that you have to complete, either paid for them or not, um, but just kind of the grind. Yeah. And so we're not 
looking to bag on vocation necessarily, right? Because right. we do all need to have something that we are doing to yep. put to food make on the money. table. Right. Yeah. To put food to, on the table, right? You know, bills got to get paid and yep. um, lights got to stay on. Yeah. So you need to take care of that and take care of your family and provide in that way. But I think we're kind of peel back the levels of how can we go about doing that in a way that is not just the sort of stereotypical grind. Right. So Mike, on this idea of, you know, work that makes you feel like you're coming alive versus labor or task completion, like how does that hit you? What are the things that you feel like make you come alive and does that intersect at all with your nine to five? So for me, a lot of that stuff doesn't intersect. Okay. For me, I think has been stuff that I found out recently about myself. And these are hobbies that I, I don't want to call them dad hobbies, but things sure. that I've, I've started to grow into, um, yeah. you know, things that I've started to look at and become, uh, you know, a fanboy of it, uh, if, if you will. But some of it is doing that outdoor adventure. Some of it's being, yeah. you know, going out and hiking and, and wanting to put together a, a kit with a hatchet and a fishing pole and stuff. <laughs> um, some of it's as simple as woodworking and finding the joy and making stuff from my own house. Yep. One of the things that was pretty cool is building a little stool and seeing my boys get a kick out of that kind of stuff, right? Nice. So I think a lot of the hobbies that I really found out ultimately also lead back to wanting to provide things for my kids. Yep. So I think a lot of that has been leaning that way as far as what I've found a little bit more life in and, and enjoyment. Yep. What about you, Tom? I think... You know, because of the way that my vocation has kind of pivoted recently, I was tuned in a little bit more to uh, what some of those things were that I was looking for to bring me that joy that John was talking about um, and how I could kind of access that Mm -hmm. in my vocation. And so for me, I think there are a couple of points that I am at least aware of a little bit more that work is hitting for me. I think one of them is definitely teamwork. And so I'm building up a team for this new group that we've got in the company. So that is uh, something that's kind of engaging me right now as, as that starts to grow and take off. Another is problem solving, being able to frame whatever it is that I'm doing at work in that problem solving kind of fashion of like, okay, we got to figure out how to do this engages me you know on a deeper level than if i was just going in and doing the job right per se. i really enjoyed hearing you say teamwork now is that the the team working together or is that something more along the lines of like leading and mentoring it for me it's both i think being a part of a team and moving with common purpose toward a goal is something that that i've always enjoyed being a part of but also the leading part uh, i do feel like and and I've been told over and over again that that I am a leader and that I kind of naturally fall into that position and so knowing that that's a part of my story and my gifting allows me to look for the opportunities to do that as well in work and outside of my nine to five. John for you it's a bit different though right I mean you're I guess, how do you find these same kind of enjoyments in, in your occupation or is it something different outside of work? Well, and I think it, it's similar to what Tom was just talking about where I've found things that I can do that aren't maybe necessarily job specific or title specific. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So Tom was just talking about, you know, 
knowing that he is a leader and that that has less to do with the title on the door or on the desk or on the name tag than it does just that position, that relationship in and amongst other people. Yeah. And so being a leader with a group of people is what brings him some measure of joy, even though there's challenge and headache and, mm-hmm. and all the stuff that goes with leadership. But it's less about the vocational title than it is, or it's less about the occupational title than it is gotcha. sort of that vocational calling. Right. And I think for me, you know, I had to come through kind of my own process of discovering that because since I was in the eighth grade, I knew I wanted to be a classroom teacher. Mm-hmm. And so it was very easy to see that as an occupational calling right. and even to an extent a vocational calling but still very much fixed in a place of I am going to be a classroom teacher, teaching teenagers, you know, inflicting history upon them. Yeah. And, and what I've come to realize over the time is that I love that. I get the biggest kick out of standing up in front of a room full of kids and telling them the stories of people and places, you know, throughout time. But what I've come to realize is what I really love is just teaching. Right. Like topic notwithstanding. Right. So it's not the profession of secondary education, but it's the things that are involved in that. And I think my wife and I have talked about this uh, several times because she was a teacher as well. You know, it it kind of is, we're locked into these ideas of what work looks like Mm -hmm. because you go through high school and it's like, there's doctor, lawyer, teacher, right. You know, there's, there's, yeah, yeah, there's like, there's five <laughs> things that you could grow up to be. Meanwhile, we miss all of the variety and shading of what those five things are actually representing. Exactly. I know for so many guys and especially, you know, previous generations, work was what defined you. And it didn't even necessarily have to be something you loved. Like your job was provider. Right. 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 Like you go to work at your office, your factory, your whatever it was. It really didn't even matter if you liked your job, hated your job, as long as you were bringing home a paycheck. Like that was what defined you as a man. Yeah. And not that we're all sorts of, you know, developed now in this generation, but I think what has always been true of men is that we are made for work. There is something in us that craves meaning through work. Yep. And finds meaning through work. But at the same time, it's so easy to get this distorted because we're such black and white creatures. Like, and this isn't like, you know, men are simplistic, but like as human beings, it's easier to go zero or a hundred than it is try to maintain 65. Right. And so when we're trying to talk about, you know, things that make you come alive and, you know, does your occupation have to be the thing that makes you come alive? The answer is no. Like your nine to five can be your nine to five. It can be like Mike was talking about the thing that funds yeah. the yeah. the other stuff that actually brings you passion and joy and excitement and anticipation. And that's all wonderful. But it's more what we're trying to get at, I think, in this this first part on this topic is there's gotta be a place somewhere in your life for the things that bring you joy. Mm-hmm. And not like pleasant pastime, not like, you know, recreational enjoyment, but the things that are most near and dear to your heart, the things that most deeply touch on you know, the core of who you are, there has to be an outlet for that because if there isn't an intentional space made for it, it's going to come out in a dozen other ways that aren't nearly as effective or functional or enjoyable. Yeah. And, and so that's, what I think, where we're trying to start this conversation is 
beginning that exploration and possibly even that excavation of what does bring me alive. Yeah. And so to get back to the question that you were asking to each of us in turn, Mike, I mean, for me, it's, I love teaching. Yeah. I love teaching and not to hear myself talk, but I just, I love the, the interpersonal dynamics of learning with others. Right. Doesn't matter what the topic is. Could be history, could be woodworking, could be motorcycles, could be travel, could be books. Like I, like Tom and I sit around and we talk about book series. Like, And that's right. just so fun. And that's one of the things that makes me come alive. Mm. And so that's one of the things that I've had to become very intentional about carving out space for. Right. In my case, it happens to also fit my nine to five. But now in my case, realizing that there are ways to engage that piece of me that thrives in that environment in places outside of my classroom. Right. Because frankly, there are times I don't want to be around my students. <laughs> <laughs> and so that can't be the only place where I get that that fill, that right. fix. John, as I'm sitting here listening to you say this stuff, one of the things that I'm really impressed with, with both of you is just the maturity in, in defining what makes your heart come alive. And I think it was easy for me to say that Work isn't what made my heart come alive. But as I listen to you, like Tom, talk about teamwork and group settings, it makes me think about, okay, yeah, woodworking is one of those things that, that I enjoy. But there's more to it than just putting some pieces of wood together yeah. and gluing it. It's it's the creativeness, perhaps, or the providing to my kids, right? And I think that's an exercise that I think we all have to kind of go through is to really define what it is in our heart that makes us come alive, right? And I think that's a good exercise and something that we all need to kind of like – look to and kind of help identify, right? Yeah. Each one of these core traits or ideas or whatever it is that, that is drawing you forward in, in this path, right? I think that's something that, again, as I sit here and listen to you guys talk, it makes me think about, okay, how do I identify those mm -hmm. in my life? How do I go ahead and start knocking these lists off and saying, hey, you know, maybe I can find enjoyment in my nine to five by that, or maybe yeah. I can find stuff outside of, oh man, I got to be at work again, right? Well, maybe there is right. something there that I'm not I haven't looked at it in the right perspective, right? right? I haven't taken it and said, hey, wait, there is something that, that my heart is, is tingling, but yeah. I just don't realize it, right? right. And right. identifying that is a big step, right? Yeah, or you can spin it. If I look at it from a different angle, actually, this is something that's not complete drudgery at work, but is something that I could enjoy. But I think you hit the nail on the head, John. There is definitely a measure of intentionality that goes behind this. And even if it's just at the level of taking a step back to do some evaluation, like mm -hmm. you're talking about, Mike, right. yeah. of how can I look at the things that I do enjoy and dig into them a little bit more and figure out what it is about them that I like, right. or whether it is sitting down with your calendar right. and being intentional about carving out that time to go take a long weekend to do a big hike with a group right. of guys or to take a class in something that you enjoy doing. Because the reality is our nine to five is our nine to five. Yeah. And you carve out that time and you carve out sleep and you carve <laughs> out wife and kids and there's Commutes. not a whole, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's not a whole lot of hours in the day no. that are left for just free time. And right. so we do need to be intentional and right. sad to say, schedule those things that are going to bring us joy and are going to be fulfilling for us. 
And so I think it is those two things. It's it's what is the thing that brings me alive, just discovering what that is to begin with. And then the second piece is when do I fit it in, in the mm-hmm. midst of all the other things that I need to do. And so Mike, I loved how you were starting that with woodworking. It's not just the woodworking. It's not just the assembly of things into something else that your kids can you know play on or that you can look at with appreciation for, I built that. But what is it within this task that I derive so much joy from? Yeah. You know, working with teens, you start asking kids what they want to do when they, you know, grow up, when they get out of high school, when they go off to college. And it's like, it's like classic teenage boy thing. Like, what do you want to do? Video game designer. Mm. Like, seriously, dude, seriously. But like, that's what they all want to do. Like, whether it's Fortnite or whether, like, whatever their thing is, like, they are all convinced, like, I'm going to go be video game developer, designer, like product tester. Like I'm going to get paid to yeah. play video games all day. And it's going to be glamorous and, yeah. and whatever else. Have you taken any programming classes? Well, no. no. <laughs> Have you taken any art classes? No. No. Yeah, you just like playing video games. <laughs> well, right. And, and and so there's nothing wrong with that. Like video games were a large part of my you know teens and probably more of my 20s than it should have been. But I think one of the things that I started to realize, Mike, kind of like you were just you know breaking down woodworking, like for me with video games, what I came to realize was I loved story. Yeah. I loved getting wrapped up in the epic storyline of video games. Yeah. I loved feeling like I was being tested mm-hmm. within the context of the game. Whether it was, you know, intellect or eye-hand coordination or whatever, right? That I was getting tested. Right. That was what was making me come alive. Like it wasn't just, you know, video games ad nauseum for hours, but it was speaking to particular pieces of me that came alive when provoked through a video game. Right. And and I know that that's some of what's going on when I talk with my kids that are so infatuated with video games. Like it's not just the game. It's what the game is speaking to within the deeper parts of who they are. And so I think that's part of what we kind of want to poke at, you know, through this vehicle of sitting around doing this podcast and, you know, talking to other guys that are trying to figure out this very first step of, dude, I don't even know. I don't even know what brings me alive because I've just been doing work. And, and so starting there with what is the thing that you love doing? Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. Like it's going to play golf. It's reading a book. It's hopping on your motorcycle. Like what what is... What is the thing that you love? And then do some soul excavation, like get down in there and start to process, why do I love this so much? What is really speaking to the deepest parts of me through this activity? And that's going to bear some fruit. There's going to be some gold down there that then helps you discover, all right, so John, if really what you love is story and sharing stories and telling stories, well, man, that hits right there on your your love of teaching. So go do that wherever, right? If it fits your love for adventure and feeling your, that your abilities are getting tested, man, you can go do that anywhere. Yeah. So go find spaces for that. Mm-hmm. So I think we definitely need to dig into how do we start to answer that question. But before we do that... I just want to kind of throw this out there. That's a really hard question for a lot of guys to even consider, right? So 
why is it that we have so much trouble talking about what it is that brings us joy? Like you mentioned, John, a, a lot of guys wouldn't even know where to start that conversation. I, I don't know. I have a job. I do my job. But I don't necessarily have something that makes me happy. As we're talking about this and as my mind is just continuously thinking about your story and the first thing we kicked off on, it is hard to identify. Like it's even hard for me to just think about what those things are. Like I don't think I could sit here right now and identify as easily as you guys have. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about if I ran through a similar exercise like you talked about in our first podcast was having the opportunity to share some of the stories, you know, some of your childhood memories that you yep. kind of shared with a group of close friends and how other people were able to identify some of these things for you. I think that's something like even for myself, like I, I would love to just sit down and talk to my wife and just say, Hey, you know, what do you see me that twinkle my eye or what, what do you, yeah. what do you notice that I kind of lean towards? But I, you know, that's just one of the first ideas that I think about as it comes to trying to help me identify those. I don't know if you guys have run into similar situations or like, I guess, John, how did you identify these kind of things? I mean, it definitely took time, and sometimes it just takes having that question exposed, mm -hmm. right? Like, I've never even thought of that. And you know, the answer doesn't necessarily come immediately. Yeah. Like, you don't necessarily have life revelation inside of 30 seconds. It takes work. It does. <laughs> it does. Because usually there's so much that's been piled on top of that. There's been so much that's been piled on top of those things that bring you most alive, because the things that bring you most alive have, in most cases, been killed. Yeah. Many, many, many times. Either because people said you weren't good at it, or there was no future in that, or you're not good enough, smart enough, fast enough, strong enough, talented, whatever. Or you tried it, and it was a train wreck because you were just starting out. Yeah. So, of course, you weren't very good at it. And, and it just becomes so easy to believe the line that sneaks into your head that says, yeah, that's never going to happen. Yeah. Just just turn and walk away from that. And so it, it takes some risk to go back into that place and allow for the possibility that maybe, just maybe, I should go there again and risk bringing mm -hmm. it back out into the light. Right. It's not a fast process. It seems a little bit fraught with danger and it's a whole lot easier to just keep that door closed, lid shut, pick your metaphor for wherever you've put that thing in you. Yeah. But like we said before, it's going to come out. Yeah. It's just going to come out in a way less enjoyable or probably way more dysfunctional way if it's not addressed. Right. Because the other thing is it we bury it right under the weight of these are the things that I need to do. And so we have this kind of skewed view, yeah. like you had mentioned earlier of well, we are kind of wired to provide and to get something out of work. And so it's only a few degrees away from that where we find ourselves defined by our profession and pouring everything that we have into our profession. And so we bury it under the weight of what we think work is supposed to be. And we don't allow ourselves the space to even try and open up that door and take a look at what might be there, yeah. you know? And then you get frustrated and just sick of work, sick of, of the same thing day in and day out. And that's when, uh, you know, like you said, it, it's going to come out 
but it could come out in dysfunctional ways of like, well, I just need to got to have my guys weekend right. once a year where we go to Vegas and none of us remember what happened, but, or those kind of stereotypical man escaping yeah. his everyday stories. And that's, that's exactly what it's going to turn into if it's not dealt with. It's going to turn into escapism. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, I'm going to do my work thing here. I'm going to do my family time here. And then I'm going to carve out this little escape time. Yeah. Not because I'm... I'm harnessing and enjoying that deep-seated longing in me, but more just because it's anesthetizing the yeah. pain, the frustration, the, the the compensation for all the hard work I do, whatever that thing is. As you're saying that, the picture that it's painting in my mind right now is just just dark. And, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's just just being hidden somewhere with those unbottled feelings, right? I mean, and that's one of those things that I think it just. And it's kind of easy to go here, I think, and use this word because it's it's being used a lot to describe, you know, millennials and all that kind right. of stuff. But you you get into this point where you then feel entitled to oh yeah just have this time to do this thing because this is what I need. Right. I've been yeah. working so hard, and I'm I don't get this. to yeah yeah, and I don't get to do what I want to do. And exactly, I'm owed this. Yeah. And then it's not it's not coming from a good place, right? right? And so I'm gonna go. And I'm going to take five days, you know, by myself or with some friends and totally leave everything else behind is like the opposite extreme, right? right of not, yeah. well, okay, well, what are, what's your family doing while you're gone for five days, right. you know? And, and I think it gets to this other way of, you know, kind of an end around to help us discover these deep seated desires. Because I think what we're kind of hitting on here now is the difference between these deep-seated passions and comfort. Yeah. Yeah. And so my wife and I just took a much needed vacation. We just got back uh, a couple of days ago. And so we were sitting on a beach and I have had to learn to become a better beach sitter. That is not a natural thing for me. It used to be that after like a couple hours, I was just bored out of my mind and needed to go do something. And, and I've gotten better now at, enjoying being still. But I was still realizing this because I was thinking about this upcoming topic as I'm sitting on the beach, knowing that we were going to be doing this in a couple of days. <laughs> I was like, you know, this was awesome for several days. This was exactly what I needed. I, I just, I needed some downtime, my wife and I together. This was restorative, right? This was restful. This was invigorating. If I had a year of this, I would be bored out of my friggin' mind. <laughs> yeah. And, and it kind of got me thinking about this. Guarantee you, within a week, week and a half, I'd be on, on the fringe of stir crazy. Mm -hmm. What would I go and do? And, and it was funny just how quickly my mind snapped to do. Right? What would I go do you know if money were no object if i didn't have to go back home if we were just you know stuck there and could afford to stay there indefinitely i would not sit in a beach chair for probably more than a week right i would need something to do what would i go do and it kind of got me thinking and it brought me right back around to some of these same categories that we've been identifying and i was thinking you know i'd really love to learn to scuba dive why and so it started to trigger some of these same things that I've realized are deep-seated 
passions of mine. I love learning. So here would be a new thing to learn. I love adventure. I mean, holy cow, like, you know, scuba diving, like there's just so much to see. And then there's also the risk, obviously, which in some ways just makes it more fun. Then I was realizing, you know, after the appropriate time of learning from others how to do this, I would love to share it with others. I'd love to share it with my wife. I'd love to share it with my friends. I'd love them to bring them down. I'd love to bring them down to wherever I am. Be like, dude, you guys got to try this. This is so cool. I'll show you what to do. Yeah. Ah, teaching, Teaching. right? Like that's that, like that would bring me joy to invite others into something that I've come to enjoy myself. Right. And, And so maybe that's, that's another way of kind of avoiding the second pitfall. You know, the first is there's nothing that brings me joy. Like, you know, forget that head down, you know, push through. And the second one is I'm just going to escape into comfort. Like maybe head down that path of comfort and and see where that that turn comes, right? Mm-hmm. So so do the thing that you did growing up or even now as adults when the lottery hits, you know, obscene amounts of money. Like you won. You punch your ticket. Money is no issue. What do you do? Yeah. Right? Usually we start with what do you buy? And that is all kinds of fun to think about. But what would you do? What would be the thing that now that you don't have to provide on a day-to-day basis, what would you be pulled towards? And then how does that start to speak to your passions? So I think what we're kind of getting around is there has to be kind of this right order of not necessarily how much time or resources or whatever we're allotting to a particular thing but at least there there's a proper perspective to put it all in right that we're aligning ourselves for fulfillment in all of the things that have to happen in our lives right these things the nine to five the family and whatnot you know they are realities of our schedule but that there is a way to go about that that changes kind of the flow of our time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and so I think, again, and I really like what you said there about fulfillment because it's not just comfort. Yeah. Right? It's not just entertainment. It's not just hobby. There is something in us that is fulfilled when we start to pursue these deep-seated desires in us. Um, and we found this, this great line uh, from... Frederick Beekner, and he says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Mm-hmm. And I think that does such a great, such a great job of encapsulating in one line what we've now spent many, many minutes trying to get at is we as men have this need for fulfillment. Yeah. Yes, comfort, because I mean, everybody needs that. Yes, for occupation, because there are needs that that we need to provide for and fulfill. But there is a need for fulfillment in us that we are constantly searching for, striving after, trying to move towards. And there is something that each one of us is called to. And it's not drudgery. Yeah. And it's not, you know, soul-killing work. It's the place 
where our deep gladness, these deep-seated passions will meet a need in the world. And the, the confluence of those two things, the, the, the combining of those two things will bring us alive and fulfill a much needed void mm-hmm. in the world around us. Yeah. And I think if we order those things correctly, your nine to five doesn't need to change right. necessarily. Right. Right. But if I understand that these are the things that bring me alive and that allow me to meet that need that I am uniquely able to meet in not necessarily like global scale here we're talking, right. but right. you know, in, in my immediate sphere of influence, I find that niche that yeah. I can occupy. And then I'm just kind of picturing in my mind, like you could have the worst nine to five ever yeah. and be excited to go through that work day because you know what having that job allows you to do with yep. the rest of your time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's having that proper perspective of where we're putting our our souls really to make everything kind of fall into place that way. Yep. Hey, this seems like a great place to wrap up this episode. You know, in our first series, Chasing the Dream, John, Tom, and I talked about our passions. We talked about the things that made us come alive. In this series, Work versus Work, and yes, I'm doing air quotes, we're talking about what it would be like to apply those passions to our 9 to 5. And so this week, we ask that you talk to your spouse. We ask that you talk to a friend and try to identify those passions and those things that make your heart come alive and what it would be like or how you can apply those to your 9 to 5. Again, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for taking the time to be a part of this team. We ask that you join us next week as we continue this conversation of work versus work. And until then, you can find us at strong-towers.com.